You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio, episode number 373. He's Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. I'm Jimmy Kempsky from PhillyVoice.com. And our great sponsors, Wrong Crowd Beer, Righteous Fallon, Christopher Rocha Grocery Orders. WrongCrowdBeer.com uh, is where you can buy Wrong Crowd Beer, which is delicious. I like the Bozerbub, Boozerbub. I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce it, but it's a German Pilsner. It's delicious. Brandon's favorite is the Strawberry Milkshake IPA. I still haven't had that. I got to try that. I say that every episode. <laughs> People um, are like listening to this one but, and being like, wait, didn't I hear this episode already? <laughs> Go visit them in Westchester, PA. Great place. A uh, bunch of TVs. Go watch sporting events there. Get some food. It's a restaurant as well. Awesome place. Awesome people. Great, great beer. Uh, Brandon and I have been there several times. Uh, always a good time. Um, how you know? But how uh, how are you doing, buddy? Uh, we're firing on all cylinders here early on Friday morning. <laughs> um, also, event space too at Wrong Crowd Beer Company. I know they talked about that. Like people have had you know various events there. So if you're looking for like a, us, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if you're looking to have an event, also an option for you, uh, Jimmy. It's been it's been a long week, I feel like. Uh, you know, a lot of discourse certainly about the Philadelphia Eagles out there. Mm-hmm. And um <clears throat> not unfair, all of it for sure. But, you know, still still a team that has a chance to win the one seed and and very much controls their path when it comes to winning the division. So uh, you know, maybe not entirely hopeless. A lot of good all twenty two analysis out there. Thought uh, Johnny Page and Shane Half did a really, really, really good job breaking down the last game um, for on the Shane Page podcast here at BGN and and um, a lot of especially for the offense reasons for optimism. Defense, eh, different story, but the offense I thought um, was an interesting breakdown of how they they weren't really they, obviously they didn't score a touchdown. They weren't really like that far off from kind of figuring some things out offensively there were some encouraging mm-hmm. signs i think that might carry over into this week against the seahawks but before we talk about that matchup jimmy i feel like we have to go over the injury report sure yeah there are a lot of seahawks on their injury report uh only four players on the eagles uh, initial injury report and my apologies i'm just pulling that up now <laughs> but the I, I i can i can recite those off memory darius slay is uh was a dnp did not participate um with a knee injury and he had that uh last week as well didn't practice until 
Friday. He also had uh, a rest designation next to the knee, like rest slash knee. Yeah, I, you know, we kind of wondered, I think, what was doing more of the heavy lifting there, the rest or the knee. And I think it's the knee. Hmm. <laughs> I think he's just, you know, an older player. And it's probably going to be a little nagging thing for him, maybe the rest of the way, but certainly for now. Uh, Cam Jurgens is uh, was did not participate because of pectoral injury. He went out of the uh, uh, Cowboys game with what they called a chest injury. Did come back in, played, I think, the entirety of the second half, or at least um, until they pulled starters with like however many plays they ran to end that game. Uh, Zach Cunningham did not practice again. Um, knee injury for him. His injury that kept him out initially was. I guess I guess against the 49ers was a hamstring injury. So this is something new. He's got a knee injury now. And then Reed Blankenship, as you saw uh, against the Cowboys, was concussed. Um, he was a limited participant. So uh looks like he's got a decent chance of playing against the Seahawks. But a uh, very light injury report for the Eagles for a mid-December game. Seahawks got a lot of dudes on their injury report. And I think it makes the most sense to just kind of go by positional group. Um, they had four guys who didn't participate and I'll get to that in a second, but, um, quarterback Geno Smith was limited. He missed the Seahawks 49ers game, uh, week 14. And if he's a go against the Eagles, he is almost certainly not going to be 100% cause it's a groin injury. And you know, those soft tissue injuries tend to linger. If he can't go, uh, drew lock started against the 49ers. He would, you know, almost certainly get to start against the Eagles. Got a couple guys on their offensive line. Anthony Bradford's a fourth round rookie. He is filling in for, and we'll get to this more in the five, ma- like the, uh, the, the, like the matchups discussion a little later in the podcast, but he's filling in for their regular starter, uh, Phil Haynes, who is on IR. Then they have, uh, Evan Brown. He's their starting center. He's been kind of on the injury report for most of their season. Full participant. He'll probably go old friend, Jason Peters mm. missed for personal reasons. Um, probably just, you know, Wants to take a day off because <laughs> he's Jason Peters and he can do that. Um, offensive skill positions, they're pretty much healthy there. D. Eskridge is a second-round pick of theirs from 2021. Has done nothing in the league so far. No big deal for them there. Uh, defensive line, Leonard Williams, who, of course, you all remember from his days with the Giants. Eagles have always handled him. I looked up his stats yeah. uh, over his career against the Eagles. One sack, zero forced fumbles, eight career games. Uh, Jerron Reed, really good player. Uh, he's their nose tackle, 45 tackles and six sacks for them this season. He's limited. Uh, both of their linebackers didn't, or excuse me, one of their starting linebackers didn't practice. It's Jordan Brooks. Um, he's second on the team in tackles, 102 tackles, four and a half sacks, interception, force fumble, really good player. Uh, you know, really um, uh, athletic player that they took in the first round, kind of surprisingly. And then Nick Ballor, who's just a special teams guy. Here's where it gets really tricky for the Seahawks. In their secondary, uh, Devin Witherspoon got hurt against the 49ers, came out hip injury, came out against the 49ers, didn't return. Really fun player in the conversation for defensive rookie in the year of the year. Might actually be leading. I haven't looked up like those odds or whatever, but you know, it's him, Jalen Carter, maybe a small handful of other guys. He's got 65 tackles, three sacks, forced fumble, pick six that he had against the Giants. Gets his hand on it, hands on a ton of passes. He's got 16 pass breakups of the season so if he can't go that's trouble for that defense i saw and there then, was optimism about him being able to play 
from Pete Carroll. So Pete Carroll was obviously asked about him, and he said he's day to day. We'll see. I mean, mm-hmm. hip injury is tough to play through, so especially for a corner. But I don't know. We'll see. I think at a minimum, again, with him, probably won't be 100% if he does play. Uh, Jamal Adams did not practice. Honestly, the Eagles are probably better off if he plays because <laughs> that dude that dude cannot cover to save his life. He's big, and he's a big hitter, and you got to worry about him in the box, I guess. But as far as being able to cover guys like Dallas Goddard or if they're running you know, deeper routes down the field, I think the Eagles would rather have him in. Uh, Trey Brown is their number three corner. Uh, he plays outside, like they moved Devin Witherspoon into the slot when he comes into the game. But he's a good enough player, 25 tackles, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, and then Artie Burns, who is a deep backup. So they got a lot of injuries. <laughs> it's like the Eagles are playing a team for the first time in a while uh, that has a bunch of injuries. I should probably mention the guys on, on uh, injured reserve, too. I mentioned Phil Haynes already. The other big one is, um, I think you know this, Brandon, and I'm a big fan of this guy, Uchenna Nuosu, yeah. who's one of their edge rushers. Uh, 2022 had, had uh, nine and a half sacks, 26 QB hits, three forced fumbles, four pass breakups. Really good player. He got hurt earlier this season, and uh, his season's uh, I think pretty much over. With, oh, it is over. He had a, he had a pectoral injury, mm-hmm. he had a surgery on it, so he's done for the. Year. It's a really good player that they're going to be missing. So this like the Eagles have had. I've played a lot of teams that have had good injury luck for the better part of the season, and uh, finally they they get a team here in the. Seahawks that uh, it's going to be missing some guys <clears throat> or at least or, or they're at least really banged up and should have, I don't know if, I don't can you well first of all can you hear me Jimmy yes okay good <laughs> so sorry listeners we're having some technical difficulties because you popped out a little bit on my end but I think I, I got most of what you said there um, on the Eagles side they had a full practice instead of a walkthrough which they usually have on the first day of a given game week. So that's a little bit of a tweak from Nick Sirianni. Um, <clears throat> a little interesting because it feels like the team could use all the rest they can get, but I also, I guess, kind of get tweaking things a little bit when it comes to you just lost two games and you feel like you need to maybe work something on some things in actual practice. So um, <clears throat> there is that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the last really injured team the Eagles faced was probably the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. They were missing. Yeah, they were without Jalen Ramsey, who got hurt. Uh, I think in training camp, and then Xavier Howard didn't play in that game, so they were down both. Connor their Williams, corners. I think, was missing too. So yeah, who's now out for the year? Um, yeah, so it's been a while. Uh, that's another kind of thing that's I think flown under the radar a little bit. Not only have the Eagles been tired, but they've also been <clears throat> facing teams that I think are like pretty fresh and not hurt at all. So that doesn't really help equalize things there. Um, <clears throat> all right, but why don't we take a break here because then we're just going to dive right into the matchup. Jimmy, do you want to send us to break? Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Back here on BGN Radio, getting into our Eagles versus Seahawks preview. Just from an overview, you know, Seahawks are a team that is 1-5 in their last six games. The sole win came in overtime against the Commanders. Mm. Um, so, you know, not the strongest resume recently. Obviously, they had a good effort against the Cowboys, took them down to the wire. Although, I, as you know, we watched that game together. Um, the Seahawks had that game if they wanted it, and they totally just gave it to Dallas. Like, they gave it away. They had it in their control. They could have closed it out, but they couldn't. Um, Geno played good up until the end where I think he kind of just melted down, to be quite honest, as did the rest of the team. Um, so <clears throat> not the strongest team. Uh, they are 16th in DVOA. That's behind the Eagles at 8th overall. They've been struggling. Their defense has been especially weak. They're like 25th, 24th in DVOA. That's a, a unit that has struggled. Defense stinks. Yeah. So um, <laughs> which, I guess why, why don't we start there? Why don't we start with can the Eagles actually – Get it going on offense against this defense. And if they can't, maybe then it is time to fire Brian Johnson. <laughs> yeah, I think their um, run defense is, is where to start here. Um, I already kind of picked on Jamal Adams a little bit, but the, you can run on this team. So they're 23rd in rushing yards allowed per game. They're 25th in rushing first downs allowed per game. They're 24th in rushing yards per attempt, 4.4. And they've allowed 17 rushing touchdowns, which is 20, 29th. Um, so they're fourth worst in the NFL uh, in terms of allowing rushing touchdowns. We just haven't seen the Eagles offensive line dominate in the trenches in the run game since what? Like the Buccaneers game, the Vikings game earlier this year in September. And they've tried to run it, but, you know, kind of that element of their offense just not very effective uh, over the last few months. And they've had a lot of drives stall out because they've, you know, not gotten good gains on first or second down or whatever. So um, they can get the run game going here in Seattle. You know, all the cliches open up the passing, you know, op open up opportunities in the passing game, allow the defense to play a reasonable number of snaps when they really sorely need that at this point in the season after playing so many snaps, especially against the Bills. Uh, against the 49ers, against the Cowboys this past week. They played a lot of snaps. So, you know, um, Eagles' last four games are against really bad run defenses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's one thing to be slowed down by a team like the 49ers, but um, it'll be really alarming if they can't start winning up front in the trenches, which, again, is their identity, was their identity all year last year. They can't start, you know, beating these teams up in the trenches like we've been you know, used to seeing them do over the last couple of years. 
against you know teams like the Seahawks, Giants, Cardinals, Giants again uh, down the stretch, then I'd be really alarmed heading into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, I said I think on the last episode when you if you want to oversimplify the Eagles' issues, I mean they just haven't been as good in the trenches. Yeah, and that's not to say they've been bad there, but I think like the offensive line has been at times just good instead of the best offensive line in the NFL. So um, <clears throat> certainly seems like they might be able to get going here. I thought there were some some positive signs against the Cowboys in terms of the run game, but um, obviously wasn't enough. Uh, <clears throat> what else do you see from the Seahawks defense? Yeah, on the run game front too, like my concern would be with this game is you know, Nick Sirianni and, and the gang, they see so many defensive backs on uh, the Seahawks injury report. And then they just go too heavy with the passing game, which we saw them do against the Jets. The Jets were missing Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed. Mm -hmm. Now, while I think that the whole run the ball stuff against the 49ers was ridiculous, I do think there was an argument for people to be a little upset about that mm -hmm. when they played the Jets uh, earlier this year because they had a lead for most of that game. And, you know, the Jets are really good run, run stopping defense. Um, and certainly made sense to attack them through the air when they're missing both their starting corners. Um, but, I, you know, I thought that was a game they probably could have run a little more given the lead that they had for the entirety of that game. So, I don't know. I'll be, it'll be interesting to see if they try to run the ball against this Seahawks defense that's not good at stopping mm -hmm. the run, uh, but might have some injuries in the in the secondary. On the injuries in the secondary front, the Eagles have A.J. Brown, and they have Devontae Smith, mm. and they have Dallas Goddard back. I think Dallas Goddard is due... Uh, for a game here. He's only really had two big games so far this season uh, against the Rams, eight for 117 in a touchdown against the Dolphins, five for 77 in a touchdown. And he really hasn't been much of a factor otherwise this season. Like he's obviously a great player and, you know, doesn't have really holes in his game. And when you go to him, he makes plays super efficient player uh, when they look his way. I think they got to purposely look his yeah. way in this game because they have, that matchup against uh, Jamal Adams. Bobby Wagner was a really great player uh, for a long time at linebacker for the Seahawks, but he's older now. He's not the same player that he was. I think there are some matchups to be won if uh, you get him, if you get Goddard matched up on him. Um, but this feels like a Goddard game to me. If they can get him going, then um, yeah, that'd be a, a big plus to everyone because then, you know, you kind of get some of the coverage off of, A.J. Brown, you know, Nick Sirianni kind of mentioned that he's been seeing a little more attention uh, with Goddard out. And um, the other guys kind of have to capitalize on that when that happens. Uh, but A.J. Brown was obviously their offense, <laughs> you know, for like a six-game stretch earlier this season. And they need other guys to step up. Devontae Smith did for a little while there. But I think they need Dallas Goddard to step in, up in this game, being, you know, another week removed from his injury and, and having gotten his feet wet again uh, against the Cowboys last week. On that point, Goddard kind of had a limited um, role in the Cowboys game in terms of his, yeah. his playing time wasn't what it usually was. I think he was in like yeah, he usually plays almost every snap. Exactly, usually only yeah he barely misses any snaps. And in the, the Cowboys game, he was only about like eighty percent or so. He only saw four targets of their what? How many? Twenty five or whatever total. Mm -hmm. He caught all four, four for thirty. Yeah. I think he was. So I think there was something there that they you know they weren't like. It was his first game back. I don't think they were going mm -hmm. full throttle with him. And I think, you know, now that you have 
this extra time and an extra day in there. I think we'll see a more full force Dallas Goddard and that can help out for sure. So I like that call by you and yeah, it is time to kind of just force feed him and get him integrated here. Um, especially when, you know, everyone was citing that passing chart from the last game where, you know, like AJ Brown's running all these outside routes and there's nothing over the middle of the field. Well, you know, Dallas Goddard's a nice way to kind of work the middle of the field there and get that yeah. going. Um, <clears throat> anything else on their defense? Yeah, I mean, just their their corners are um, Michael Jackson. <laughs> is uh, he's fine. Um, the the Wait, corner. Why did you make that noise? I, Michael no, Jackson. but like, is that like? Is this... <laughs> okay, so there was a Michael Jackson that was in the league. I don't know, like a decade or two ago, probably like two decades ago. And anytime he got mentioned, I think he was a receiver. Anytime he got mentioned uh, on NFL primetime. Uh-huh. Chris Berman, who, you know, does all the nicknames for all the players right. and does noises and stuff like that. Anytime they said Michael Jackson, he would go, yee <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, who was the corner I mentioned that was on the injury report before? Not Witherspoon, Devin, no. but the other guy. Yeah. Anyway, you're going to tag Trey, uh, Trey, Trey uh, Brown. Trey Brown. That's the guy that I think that they'll, that they'll try to attack. Um, a lot of 11 personnel, I think, in this game. With um, um, they'll they'll force him onto the field on the outside because again they move Witherspoon to the slot normally. So if you force if you if you bring in the third corner, you can attack him on the outside with your with either AJ Brown uh, or Devonte Smith. But I think the matchups in this game that are more fun and there's more to talk about are when the Seahawks have the ball mm-hmm. and the Eagles are on defense, and obviously that's where the Eagles have struggled. Uh, in, I mean. <laughs> for the better part of the season, really, but especially the last few games. Yeah. If you look at like the, the teams that the, that the Eagles have played so far and their passing yards per game, five of the top six teams in the league they've played. So mm-hmm. number one is the dolphins. Two is the Cowboys. Three is the Niners. Four is the Texans. Five is the bills. Six is the chiefs. Mm-hmm. The only team they didn't play in that group is of course the Texans um, played the Cowboys twice. So they played six, They've played six games against the six top six yeah. passing offenses. So, you know, like big part of the problem with their passing game is that they're playing really good teams. And this is a Seahawks passing offense that like you look at their personnel and they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. They just haven't been very consistent uh, this season. But for me, it all starts with DK Metcalf, who is just a absolute beast of a human being. 6'4", 235, 240, somewhere around there. Just totally ripped. Like, one of the more intimidating <laughs> you know, wide receivers in in uh, recent NFL history. And, you know, he was kind of having a little bit of a down year until he blew up, like, over the last five weeks or so. And 25 catches, or excuse me, 23 catches, 410 yards, five touchdowns over his last five games. And this, hap- this happened, like, during the... Seahawks' worst stretch of their season so far, but as you mentioned, you know, the Seahawks kind of had their their sights on a win uh, against the Cowboys mm-hmm. uh, when we were at Round Crowd Beer, and that was all because of DK Metcalf. Like DK Metcalf almost won that game on his own, and he's also kind of taken like a personal interest in punishing the Eagles, mm-hmm. who infamously drafted JJ Ortega Whiteside in the second round when Metcalf was still available. Um, you know, kind of turned uh, 
a positive comment, pregame comment yeah, by Jim I Schwartz. About that. Yeah. Like Jim Schwartz said something to the effect of like, man, like you're great. And um, you're not quite on the level of Megatron, but you're on your way, man. Now why would you say and- that? <laughs> <laughs> why would you say that anything like against him? Yeah, but I mean, his intentions were really nice. Right, but why would Jim you do Schwartz. it? Like, <laughs> and uh, well, when you just say, DK "Hey, you're Met- a great player," <laughs> DK Metcalf lit him up in that game, and then after the game, he was like, "You know, they had a chance to draft me, um, but they didn't, so I got to make them pay." And he said, "They," and he said, "I wasn't as good as Megatron, so I had to show him." <laughs> blah 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 blah. <laughs> but in three career games against the Eagles, and again. The Eagles don't have the same team that they did that they did then, but in a 20 catches, 372 yards and a touchdown in three games. So, I mean, he's a beast. They got to have an answer for him. Tyler Lockett, very different receiver than Metcalf, more of like a route running, like a route running savant, you know, great body control. Not unlike Devontae Smith. In fact, like their, their top two guys kind of remind me in a way of AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, the way they complement each other in that, you know, AJ Brown's kind of the bigger beastly guy. Devontae's more of this, you know, the smooth, Technician. savvy route runner. Same dynamic in Seattle with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Um, and then they have Jackson Smith and Jigba, mm-hmm. who, you know, didn't get off to a great start after they uh, drafted him 20th, I think, overall in the 2023 draft. But he was the first receiver taken off the board. I actually outproduced guys like Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson. Uh, they all went to get to school together at Ohio State. Um, so that's a really talented trio of, of receivers, and it comes at a time where the Eagles secondary has been torn apart in consecutive weeks uh, until maybe somewhat of a lesser degree uh, against the Buffalo Bills. But certainly against the, the 49ers and the Cowboys, they kind of have their way uh, against the Eagles secondary and pressure's on to you know slow these guys down. Again, I don't think they're on the same level as a lot of these passing offenses that they faced in the Dolphins, Cowboys, 49ers, et cetera. But certainly that team has, um, they have the potential and and the capability of uh, putting it on a struggling secondary. I believe DK Metcalf had his best game in his career against Darius Slay when it was clear that Slay just did not have any answers against him. And that was back in mm-hmm. 2020 when you know Darius Slay was a few years younger and wasn't actively dealing with a knee injury on the on the injury yeah. report so that's pretty concerning um yeah i mean <clears throat> hard to expect this secondary to shut down the Seahawks offense it comes down to can the Eagles pressure them can the defensive line which has looked tired um will this extra day of rest maybe going from a sunday to monday as opposed to sunday to sunday will that help at all I don't think it'll hurt, um, but, but yeah, I think it's up to the defensive line, as it typically is, to <laughs> get pressure and not allow the quarterback having all day and kind of bail out the secondary. So, um, you know, obviously, maybe are there are there any tweaks to be made? I mean, sure. I mean, um, you know, I would like to see them play Nolan Smith more. I think that'd be nice. That's not like solving the pass rush but in terms of just having a heavier rotation i think that would go a long way towards having these guys be able to be more impactful um <clears throat> i know people are beating the, the the drum for more sydney brown um that's fine um but i mean at the end of the day it's a flawed defense and it's not like we're expecting them to just pitch a shutout all of a sh- all of a sudden 
Yeah, on the um, pass rush front, this is a really young Seahawks offensive line. So I already mentioned earlier, Anthony Bradford uh, is starting at right at right guard in place of Phil Haynes. He's rookie fourth round. Got some pick. generic ass offensive lineman over here, Phil Haynes, <laughs> Anthony Bradford. <laughs> Their tackles were both picked in the 2022 draft. So Charles Cross mm-hmm. went early first round, like sixth or seventh or eighth overall, somewhere in that range. And then uh, Abraham Lucas was a third round pick. They both started from day one uh, last season and it took some lumps early on, but played really played well for rookies. Yeah. For a team uh, that won what, like 10, nine, nine, 10 games, whatever they had. They they went to the playoffs. So they, they managed to go to the playoffs despite starting two rookie tackles. Pretty crazy. Um, Cross has, you know, been fine this year. Lucas got hurt like week one or week two, somewhere in there, missed 10 games, came back week 13. Who's he have waiting for him? Michael Parsons did not go well. Week 14, who's he got waiting for him again? Nick Bosa did not go mm. well. <laughs> week 15, who's he got waiting for him? Hassan Raddick to be determined how that'll go. But um, he had a, de- you know, again, like he had a good year for a third round rookie last year, but he's been hurt for most of the season struggled against really good pass rushers the last two weeks and uh, another tough assignment, obviously for him in, in Reddick this week, there are other two guys. I mentioned Evan Brown on the injury report at center, 27 years old, Damian Lewis uh, left guard, 26 years old. The average age of their offensive line is 24.6, which for them, you know, that's a, that's a good thing. Like that's a, that's a, an offensive like long-term that's a, like that, that line can kind of grow together and become a cohesive unit over time. But for now, not good. <laughs> like you don't want, you know, typically offensive lines that are that inexperienced, you don't really play all that well. And, um, you know, we haven't, like I mentioned earlier, we haven't seen the Eagles offensive line dominate in the trenches, particularly in the run game. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen the de- the defensive line. Uh, and, and to be fair, like I think too much of the onus on whether the defense is successful or not falls on the defensive line in the pass rush. Like if they don't play well, the back seven rarely ever steps up and covers for them. Mm-hmm. But I think this is a game that yeah. if they don't just clearly win their matchups in the trenches, then it's not going to go well. Can you even recall like anecdotally, I, I covered sack this year. Like has that, has that happened? Has there been a cover? Yeah, normally sack? when they get them, it's, it's because Hassan Raddick has just whipped somebody or or Josh Sweat has, or you know, one of the interior like Fletcher Cox made a good play, or Jalen Carter made a good play. But yeah, anecdotally, there's there's really not that many on them. It think. has to be earlier in the season. Like it's definitely not been recently. Yeah, um, <clears throat> it's a fair point. So yeah, I mean, I think that that does certainly line up. Would really like to see Jalen Carter, you know, have another big game here. Would be a really good spot for him to do it in terms of his mm-hmm. defensive rookie of the year campaign because. Um, I think he's still in the lead anyway, but, you know, going up like directly in the same game as not directly in terms of opposite side of the field, but directly in the same game as Devin Witherspoon, Witherspoon, you know, if you outshine him, that kind of like, you know, adds to your case here. Not that that's the most important thing, but I've been saying for a while anyway, it would be nice to see Jalen Carter splash again because we know he has that ability. Um, And I thought he not like, I can see it a bad game against the Cowboys, but he kind of, he had a quiet game. And, you know, he went up against a really good 
um, interior there, at least in terms of Tyler Smith, um, who's having a really good year for the Cowboys. So it would be nice to kind of see him take advantage here and, uh, you know, maybe break out a big player too. Uh, anything else on? Well, what about the Seahawks running well, on team? the on the Carter front? It's it's funny because like the the you know the, the rookie right guard that I mentioned, Anthony Bradford, went to LSU, so they played against each other uh, in the SEC, and I actually like tried to find you know clips of those two going up against each other. <laughs> and there's a so like after I guess the Seahawks drafted him, a lot of their fans found like one rep of Anthony Bradford doing it like an, a, a good job on. Jalen Carter. That's the like the, that's the only play I could find over and over and over again. Just the same clip of Anthony Bradford, like kind of having a win against Jalen mm. Carter. So like, but anyway, there, there is some familiarity there between those two players okay. going back to college. What do you make of the Seahawks rushing attack? I um, I'm, I'm I was a big Ken Walker fan because I, I have a friend who's a Michigan State fan, so I, I yeah. watched him a lot at Michigan State, and he was awesome. He was a really really fun, cool player. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> been a little bit more of a well, Seahawks running back situation has kind of just been weird, basically. Anyway. Yeah, I mean, he's built like a bowling ball and um, doesn't necessarily play like the, like a bowling ball type player. Like, he's got pretty, some pretty impressive shiftiness to him. Um, so, yeah, he can make guys miss. Isn't having a great year just in terms of, like, his yards per carry. He's only, he's only averaging 4.0 yards per carry. And then, I mean, that team is just addicted to drafting running backs high in the draft they took walker in the second round they took zach charbonnet i'm one that was your one of your guys right zach charbonnet yeah i had him in my final mock he was a second round pick i believe again for them they took rashad penny of course in the first (laughs) round back in the day um so yeah they they take a lot of running backs high charbonnet is more of like a like your classic like one cut and go type runners they're both bigger backs like thicker backs uh charbonnet's taller than walker's like five nine like 215 220 so again more like that bowling ball look but you know has aloof elusiveness um charbonnet is just going to try to run you over more more often than i can make you miss played under chip of course at uh ucla um but you know you had mentioned um during the last podcast the number of snaps that the eagles have played Mm -hmm. so you know first seven weeks of the year 62 snaps on defense per game Last six weeks, 77 defensive snaps per game. That's so much so more. If you get, if the Seahawks can get, you know, the run game going, not great against, uh, a, you know, a tired, I think this extra day, I think like this move from Sunday to Monday that the NFL made, I think that helps the Eagles a lot that they get like yeah. this one extra day to prepare for this game. Um, but uh, certainly they don't want to, have their defense out on the field for an excessive number of snaps like they've had the last few weeks. And, um, you know, these kinds of tackle breaking, thicker running backs. Um, in addition normally to DK the Eagles, Metcalf. Normally the Eagles like shut those, those types of guys down. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if like a, you know, more of a, of a tired defensive line struggles, you know, getting those guys to the ground or not. Mm-hmm. And uh, if those guys get going and again, like, the Seahawks offense is converting on a high number of third down conversions like the 49ers and the Cowboys and the Bills have done the last three weeks. Not a great formula uh, out there in Seattle. So uh, we'll see how that goes, but um, it's a good duo. They're like, they're, they're not really threats to, you know, make huge plays. Uh, Again, not the Eagles really give up big, you know, huge plays in the run game as it is, 
but um, they, they they can kind of chip away and and keep this and keep moving the sticks. Historically, Pete Carroll has wanted to run the ball. Yes, oftentimes at a detriment. Back when he had Russell Wilson, especially. Um, right, let's Russ, let Russ cook is, is the origin of that. And then Russ got cooked, unfortunately, and is cooked kind of, <laughs> sort of. He's you know he's bounced back a little bit this year, but. Uh, that playoff game against the Cowboys, which is one of two uh, Dak Prescott playoff wins, was just so pathetic to me. Where, like, they would run the ball into a wall like forty times a game, <laughs> and then anytime Russ would pass, it'd be like a fifty-yard play. It's like, just do it. Stop, stop running. Pass the ball. <laughs> so anyway, um, <clears throat> point being, you know, Pete Carroll has a bit of an antiquated mindset, you could say, mm-hmm. not only when it comes to like philosophy, uh, but also game strategy you know like conservative like not going for it um i I thought he actually did show some progress there there was some like in the cowboys game he was a little bit more aggressive than i expected him to be in some spots there um so maybe there's been some some adjustment there some learning whatever the analytic nerds getting to him but typically you know you're not going to count on him to be the most uh forward thinking kind of head coach and it would be nice to see if Nick Sirianni can kind of get back to, I don't know, maybe actually manufacturing an edge <coughs> and being aggressive uh, in these situations. So just from from a higher level standpoint, any other things on this matchup, Jimmy? No, I think that about covers it. You know, the, the Seahawks um, crowd is a 12th man. Oh, <laughs> I hate the, I hate the twelve jerseys. By the way, it's one of one of the things that in, in the NFL that annoy me the most. Like the fans are like, "Yay, we're the we're the greatest fans in the world." I'm gonna wear a twelve jersey because I'm great. I'm a fan, and I I help the team win the game. <laughs> like anyone who wears a twelve jersey, GTFOH loser. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like am I wrong on that? No, I mean, you're I get what you're for saying. yourself. <laughs> anyway, but but it is a le- like it's a legitimately loud stadium, and the acoustics of it are, are interesting because like the this like the roof kind of covers the crowd, mm-hmm. so it's not a dome so much, but like it's open, but it's that you know it's got like that overhang that kind of keeps crowd noise in a little bit. I was actually BSing with uh, uh, Tanner McKee either yesterday Flex. or the day before Flex. Big name drop by me on that one. Um, and I was asking, because he played for Stanford, right. and you know, Washington plays at that stadium. And I was asking him about that stadium. He's like, I've never played there before. And I was like, I think you have. <laughs> and he's like, I was like, Washington plays at that field, right? And he's like, I don't think so. And I'm like, you know, the field with like the overhangs. And he goes, oh, is it on the river? And I go, yeah. Or is it on the body of water? I don't know, not a river, it's but the, like, um, the, the Puget yeah. Sound. Uh, and, and uh, it's on the water. I go, yeah. He goes, oh, okay. Yeah, I did play there. <laughs> I'm like, is it loud? And he's, I, I said, I think like, is it loud for college games there too? And he's like, yeah, it was pretty loud there. So, so well, like, how can I take him he didn't seriously? Realize he didn't that he even had, remember playing there. He didn't realize he played there. Hmm. But yeah, but he once once we once we nailed down that Washington plays there, he was like, oh yeah, I did play there. And yeah, it is it is really loud there. So it's not necessarily the fans that are super loud. It's kind of the acoustics a little. I mean, sure, those fans are loud, but come on, let's uh, let's let's calm down a little bit with you know how how good those fans are. Have you experienced Seattle before? Like, I know I, I have. I've been, been there, there before. But, uh, that's why I didn't ask if you've been there before. But like, have you you know like been downtown and whatnot? Yes, uh, 
Very fun city. Last time I went out, uh, I stayed an extra day. I'm staying an extra day going out. I'm going out on Saturday, Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll walk around the city on Saturday and then maybe a little bit on Sunday. And then actually, we all are screwed by this, by all all meaning all the beat writers that are traveling. Not that anyone cares about this, <laughs> but like there are no flights on Tuesday during the day at all. So we all got to hang out in Seattle for the entirety of the day and get a red oh, eye back no. on Tuesday night, which... I don't know. It could ha- that it's it sucks, but it could that could happen in certainly worse cities. Exactly. But yeah, very cool place. The food is all, like tons of great restaurants. Um, would have been cooler to get this game in like September, October, because mm-hmm. the weather isn't great there during the winter, and it rains a ton in the winter. It doesn't look like it's going to rain much this weekend. Hopefully not. There's uh, been too many rain games this year. It's like it's too much. But this Seattle would probably make. It'd be either make the top five or it'd be just on the outside looking in. It's right around five, I would say four or five, somewhere in that range, in terms of best cities to go to go visit. Okay, in the NFL. Yeah, I'd like to Seattle. Uh, went there one time, twenty nineteen. Did like a little bit of a Pacific Northwest tour between Victoria, okay. Canada, um, Portland, Oregon, and then Seattle. Mm-hmm. Not bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's fine. It's good. It's- yeah, cool part of the country. I do get the see. I did experience the Seattle freeze. You know how they say like people in Seattle, not the necessarily the warmest people there. Oh, familiar with that? No, I didn't. I hadn't know. I I didn't know that. I think it's more so about like you know like trying to to make friends, moving there. It's kind of like ah. it doesn't have a good reputation for that. People kind of just I think more keep to themselves or their groups. They're not like you know the most um, social, They're not welcoming. Yeah, welcoming like in that way. <clears throat> um. Maybe it's just someone that went to a bar and the bartender like looked incredibly annoyed that he had to serve us. Maybe just guy having a bad day. I don't know, but it just seemed like there was a little bit of uh, that attitude. But in any case, that's interesting. I'd never heard about that before. Yeah, it's a thing. Um, Okay. Also crazy there. You know how sometimes I don't know if others. I guess other cities have this too, but I haven't experienced it firsthand. Where there'll be like designated um, bus lanes in the road. Oh. Okay. Well, I was driving like a rental car. It was crazy because it was like, um, there's this designated lanes, yeah, for like buses or I guess like trams too. I don't know if it's connected to wires, but um, I turned down one of those by accident because it's confusing. There's like a bunch of different like you know lanes to choose <laughs> from, and it's like it's a, not being from there. Like I have no idea, and also whatever like Google Maps was taking me down there. But once you got on there, you couldn't turn off of it. It was like. So it's like, how do we, I, okay, I made the wrong thing, but how do I get out of this? Because it would be like, oh, we can't make a turn here. can't make a turn here. Yeah. I'm like, how am I supposed to get out? Okay, I made the wrong thing. I admit the mistake, but then it's like, how do I escape from the mistake? I was like trapped in the mistake. So, um, yeah, like a bus bearing down on you and it's not going to stop because you're in the wrong way. Right. I'm running you over, buddy. Where am I supposed to, how am I supposed to get out of it? And anyway, um, yeah. All right. <clears throat> Before we take a break. Right to sell on craft turkey. Go to right to sell on.com. Just turn code BGN 15, 15% off your order. We're 10 days away from Christmas. Hanukkah just wrapped up, but it's always a good time for right to sell on craft turkey. So go to right to sell on.com. Use discount code BGN 15 for 15% off your order. Ships fast. It's the same meat snack that the Philadelphia Eagles eat. A lot of the BGN radio diehard listeners are big fans of Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. I can say that very confidently, and they get it over and over. So if you haven't given it a try already, uh, why not? 
You can do it at a discount, BGN15, for 15% off your order at RighteousSelling.com. Same discount code works at WildRangerPet.com for 15% off high-quality dog treats. Jimmy. Back after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Back here on BGN Radio, which in addition to Wrong Crowd Beer Company and Righteous Selling Craft Jerky is also brought to you by Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Yes, uh, 856-906-9295 is her phone number. Call or text her there uh, if you're looking to buy or sell your house. She's the one. List it with Kristen Roach. Roach Realtors. Uh, yeah. Voted by God as the best realtor in mm-hmm. the history of the universe, as you all know. Um, just freaking kills it, dude. Like, heard her wheeling and dealing uh, on the phone uh, last night. And just knows her stuff. Like, uh, answering, like, these really obscure questions about, I think it was Mount Laurel. Um, but, yeah, like... She's saying all this stuff about my own Laura. I'm like, I don't know where that came from, but it was very impressive. <laughs> like what she was, I couldn't even, I couldn't parrot back what she was saying about Mount Laura, but it was very impressive her knowledge of, of the town and certainly all the towns in this area, um, particularly South Jersey. But uh, again, 856-906-9295. Again, uh, call her, text her, call or text her there. Also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. <laughs> It's time for our same game parlay promo, which I have not put together yet because I want to keep an eye on the odds, but stay tuned to the Bleeding Green Nation Twitter account where we will post our DraftKings same game parlay. I I think last one last week's missed when I did the emotional hedge because I hit on the CeeDee Lamb anytime touchdown. I hit on the Cowboys money line. I think I missed on the deck over two and a half touchdowns. That's kind of frustrating. I mean, had two. So, you know pretty close but no cigar we'll see if we can get back on the winning track this week uh throughout the season we'll be cooking up our own same game parlays that our good friends at DraftKings will put right on their home page for you the loyal listeners to follow along with so you can stay tuned for that each week DraftKings has new offers and great ways to make your sunday more fun Gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-47 or visit ccpg.org. Please pay responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort Kansas Licensee Partner, Golden Nugget Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus. Age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources okay jimmy let's do our picks against the spread i have four games for us here before we pick the eagles game uh giants tommy devito tommy cutlets that's right three games in a row the giants have won they're at the saints the saints are six point favorites yeah they're not the worst team in the league anymore 
the Giants. They were, seemingly, for a little while there when they are just completely falling apart. But, as you mentioned, they've won three in a row. So congrats to them. Not the And they're wrecking their draft. <laughs> they're, they're wrecking the, you know, their, their draft slot in the process. And they're, and by doing so, they may be forcing themselves to run it back with Daniel Jones and Tommy Cutlets and the whole gang. Um, ironically, Daniel Jones probably benefits by <laughs> this backup playing arguably better than him mm. because they might not be able to draft a quarterback uh, because they've won these three games. But uh, going a little too far down the rabbit hole there. Uh, I have the Giants covering yep. in this game because this Saints team stinks too. And it's a six point spread. The Saints aren't six point betters than anyone. Mm-hmm. The six aren't the Saints aren't six points better than anyone, is what I meant Except to say. Except the Panthers. Um so I will take the Giants with the points. But I'll pick the Saints to win. I'll take the Giants outright. I mean they're they're really playing, they're okay. playing inspired football. The Saints suck. I mean, why not? Why not? I mean, they are playing in a short week, so that's not ideal. But uh, on the road, but I don't know. I think this Giants team has some moxie to them. They have some life. I've I compared uh, Tommy DeVito on the NFC East mixtape to Taylor Heineke, where I think it's possible that you kind of, you know, obviously flawed players, but you go into a game with them thinking you have like a puncher's chance of winning. You, right. you can go into the game being like, we might be able to scrap this out. Where some quarterbacks, you don't have that feel. You just feel like it's, things yeah. are going to go wrong or whatever. Uh, yeah, I think this team has some, like that comp. some juice to the juice to them. Uh, I think they win. And I know they're ruining their draft positioning, and I don't think they'll make the postseason, but they are alive for the if they win this game, especially because they'll have tiebreakers both over the Saints and the uh, Packers, who they just beat. So they'll have some valuable tiebreakers in there too. And given that no one is kind of really like running away with the seventh seed, which I don't think means a ton because as we've I think we've noted here, seven seeds typically don't do much in the playoffs. But still, yeah, um, it would be a good if it would feel good for Giants fans when you started the season as miserably as you did, and like at no point have felt good this season. I think it would feel good still to at least make the playoffs, considering how hopeless things were at one point. But um, yeah, I think New York Times had him at two percent chance to make the yeah, playoffs. Yeah, it's it's unlikely. Which is remarkable but, given like given that again they like they looked like the worst team in the NFL right. not even a month ago. That's what I mean. Expectations were dragged down so low that if they even just make the playoffs it would be like a mere it would be like, oh this is fun. Like it might, only to get bounced extremely. Exactly. Quickly. It won't I don't think it's the best for the long term, but I think it'll be a fun <laughs> right. thing in the short term. Especially, you know, if they beat the Eagles down the stretch to yeah. you know get there. Um, which we'll get to in the future, certainly when the Eagles and Giants play in Christmas Day. Interesting matchup. Yeah. But we move forward here in week 15 with the 49ers. I think we don't have to spend a lot of time on this one. Uh, minus mm-hmm. 12 at the Cardinals. I'll take the 49ers. To cover as yeah. well? Yeah, I got them covering. I don't normally like laying that many points, but here are some of the 49ers road blowout wins this year. 30-7 to in Pittsburgh. 34 to 3 in Jacksonville, mm-hmm. 31 to 13 in Seattle and then as you're all painfully aware 42 to 19 in Philly. Uh also going back to last year, they've outscored the Cardinals by a combined score of 111 to 39. Yep. That's three games. Uh all of those games were at least three score wins. So again, I don't like laying a lot of points, but uh I will here 
And if anyone's hoping for the Cardinals to pull off a miracle, don't count on it. I agree, but you would have said the same thing when they played the Cowboys earlier True. this week. And Cardinals are coming off a bye, so they do have that going for them. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> okay, Commanders at Rams. I'm going to take the Rams. I think the Commanders are kind of organizationally tanking, and I think there's kind of just – I don't I don't think they have a lot of fight left in them. Rams have some moxie. I do worry about the Rams coming off this overtime game and coming off a Commanders team that is coming off a bye week, so I don't love that part mm-hmm. of it. But I think the Commanders um, just have – they're not really playing for anything, and the Rams are – and the Rams, specifically the Rams passing attack going up against a commander's secondary that has been, you know, obliterated as we saw firsthand with A.J. Brown, you know, destroying that team. Yeah, I just don't like that matchup. Originally, I was going to take the commanders to cover in a loss, but then I was like, wait a minute. I remembered what A.J. Brown did to the commander's secondary, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, uh, I think the Rams can have a big day through the air. Yeah, you mentioned uh, organizationally, seemingly content to not try so hard. And we know that Josh Harris condones tanking, of course. Um, yeah, lost four straight before the, before the bye. Allowed 150 points in those four games. Uh, it's 37 and a half per game. That defense sucks. I mean, out loud sucks. Worst defense in the NFL, uh, in my opinion. And I think the Rams will, will put it on them, even, coming up, even, even with mm-hmm. the commanders coming off a bye. I agree. We're in lockstep so far. That brings us to the Cowboys. Big game in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Bills are two-point home favorites. I got the Bills, baby. Cowboys aren't the same yeah, team okay. on the road. And Bills, like you said, you think they're the best team in the AFC. And I think they are, I think, for as well as a defense can play against Josh Allen, I think we saw this against the Eagles. Not that the Eagles defense has played great, but I do think the Eagles defense played reasonably well against Josh Allen. And there was just so many things that he did where he would just make an even better play against their defense. And it's kind of just like you throw your hands up and be like, well, not too much we can do about that. So um, I think the bills have that going for them. I worry about Sean McDermott. because I think he's done some bad things when it's come to game management and some really big games obviously in the past, but also recently. So I, I feel bad or I don't feel good about that part of it, but I do think the the bills are surging a bit here. They have the division within sight with the dolphins losing to the Titans, especially on Monday night. So I think that gives them like an extra pep in their step um, to push for not only just you know right now or for a while there, not even like in the top seven teams in the AFC playoff picture. Um, and mm-hmm. they might go from that to potentially winning the division here. So uh, and also, you know, point differential DVOA, like the Bills are on the, the other side of the Eagles in terms of being like good on that and their record not quite catching up. So I think they're they're kind of due to like get some good luck and kind of have things catch up a little bit here. And again, Cowboys just haven't been the same team on the road as they've been at home. So give me the Bills to win and cover. Yeah, I have my concerns about the Cowboys playing on the road too. Um, but for me, it's hard to bet against Dak at the moment. Like their offense just playing at a really, really high level right now. And um, the Bills kind of have their share of distractions. Like you mentioned, Sean McDermott, well, off the field, it was revealed that he had that weird <laughs> 9-11, like insane thought that, that even went through his head. Like it didn't just, and it didn't end there. He talked about it in front of his team. It's crazy. That's crazy. Coaches are so weird. I'm not trying to give him a pass just to say by coaches are weird <laughs> in general, because that's a whole different level, but it is true. Coaches are just pretty weird. And then, like, you know, we, I was talking with somebody uh, at, 
you know, one of the other writers about uh, our old friend Derek Boyko, who is the Eagles' like you know main PR guy, mm-hmm. and now is that for the Bills. And he's had a tough year. What with uh, the punter mm. <laughs> and and you know him getting cut, and then uh, Sean McDermott's comments, and now Von Miller mm. as a DV charge, not charge, allegations. but whatever. Yeah, allegations of DV. Um, anyway, um, yeah, I do think the Bills are the best team in the AFC uh, talent wise, and but the, to me that kind of has more to do with just the AFC being kind of devoid of elite teams this season like the chiefs look mortal to me the ravens you know you and i agree that they're good in the regular mm-hmm. season but they just... earn zero benefit of the doubt when it comes to the playoffs yes so you know they may be seven and six obviously a far better team than that record would indicate uh i'm not gonna bet against the cowboys until i see them falter though because okay. they're just playing a really high level right now and um um i don't trust picking against them right now so i have the cowboys to win outright all right and that brings us to the so then therefore you know with our predict predicted that's the game of the week by far by the way Cowboys and Bills that's a great yes, game I think it will be looking a good forward game to watching that one as well so basically we have um you know Eagles needing to win the Seahawks game obviously with the 49ers and Cowboys both winning their games well I have the Cowboys losing but um and also it should be noted the Eagles have nine different ways they can clinch the playoffs this week. The most simple being win or tie against the Seahawks and mm-hmm. the Rain. And obviously, like, you know, clinching a playoff spot isn't the most important thing, but still worth noting. It's also possible it might happen before they even play, depending on the outcomes of other games. Although none of those outcomes are like preferable, I would say, for the Eagles in terms of the Eagles rooting interests, like the guides that Yule and I will do. Because I think a lot of them involve either like the Bucks or the Falcons um, losing and the Eagles want those teams to win to keep the Saints yeah, away. One of them involves like the 49ers winning. Right. And, <laughs> and the Lions winning too. There's one with the Lions. So yeah. they, like, obviously, yeah, they don't want those scenarios. So yeah, I mean, not worth rooting for, but worth being aware of in case they do come to pass. Um, <clears throat> but uh, in any case, yeah, the Eagles can make sure that they take care of business themselves and, stay in control of the NFC East and stay alive for the mm-hmm. possibility of the one seed if the 49ers end up slipping up here down the stretch. Um, this line is kind of shifted around, I think in part because of the uncertainty about the Seahawks quarterback situation. Yeah. It was at Eagles four and a half. I saw earlier this week, it was down to four. Uh, right now it's at Eagles minus three in Seattle. Really? Yeah, when I checked on Friday morning as we're recording this, I did see it at Eagles minus three. So that seems to speak to what could that be about? Well, I think it speaks. I to, guess they, I guess they're confident that Gino will play. Yeah, I think that's but, that speaks to Gino playing here. Um, why don't you go first? Yeah, I mean the concerning matchup, as you know, we talked about in depth earlier, is the Seahawks wide receivers against this you know Eagles secondary, but. I think the Eagles have, you know, so many other good matchups. Otherwise, I mentioned Goddard. I, I really look for him to have uh, a big game here. And then, you know, the Seahawks have struggled stopping the run. Uh, the Eagles defensive line should, in theory, be able to take advantage of a very young uh, Seahawks offensive line. Both of these teams, when you talk about like uh, intangibles and, you know, needing the game or wanting whatever, all that stuff, they both desperately need to win this game. Obviously, the Eagles having dropped two straight games in blowout fashion um, feels locally here. Like the sky is falling, even though, you know, they're 10 and three and they still, you know, kind of quote unquote control their destiny for, for the division at least. Um, 
So, you know, pressure's on to get rid of some of that pressure. And then the Seahawks, they've lost four straight. And, you know, before they did that, they actually were in the lead in the NFC West. Now they're in danger of missing the playoffs entirely. You know, I think uh, if they don't make the playoffs, then Pete Carroll's job is in pretty serious danger. We saw the Seahawks kind of fizzle out down the stretch last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they did manage to win two games against bad teams to get into the playoffs. And then, boom, quickly blown out by the 49ers. So um, I guess I, I just, on the intangible front, I trust the Eagles' leadership, uh, their players, to the, more than I do the Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've seen the Seahawks falter down the stretch last year. And we saw... You know, the Eagles lose a couple games late in the season last year and rebound from them. Of course, Jalen Hurts missed those games, but he came back. They rebounded, got into the playoffs, played at a high level in the playoffs, got to the Super Bowl. So um, I guess I just trust the Eagles more. And I like, and while the, there is that one matchup in Seattle's favor, I like the matchups overall for Philly here. I'm surprised the line is way down at three now, but yeah, I'll, by all means, I'll take the Eagles and I'll gladly lay three. Okay, here's what I'm concerned about. I'm concerned about, number one, Geno Smith coming back to haunt me and making Seahawks fans and anyone else who hates the Eagles retweet my Geno Stinks tweet that I tweeted out (laughs) after the end of the Seahawks-Cowboys game. So I'm worried about that personal vendetta against... Have you gotten heat on that already? People were mad at me. Are are you aware that, like, is that tweet within the... Uh, Seahawks fan, um, like, is are they aware of it? I, I feel like they will be. I mean, if they aren't already. I did get some heat for it in the moment. They're like, what are you talking about? Gino played a good game in that one. I mean, maybe he did to a point, but the end, he stunk. He absolutely did. And a much better quarterback doesn't let the Cowboys win that game. He controls the game. He takes it over. Doesn't even need to make incredible plays. He just doesn't melt down. Gino melted down at the end of that game. And it was embarrassing. <clears throat> um. So I, I worry about that personal <laughs> vendetta that Geno Smith and the Seahawks fans That's very funny. might have against there me. You, uh, you're worried about that. Oh, well, it just feels very fitting. Like, it's like, old, old, old takes exposed. Of course. Kevin, yeah, of course happening. this is going to happen. I've set myself up for it. Uh, I have been saying I feel like the Seahawks are going to fall out of the playoffs. I've said that for like a while now. I said, and in conjunction with that, I said the Packers are going to rise up. And it looks like they were, although when you lose to the Giants, kind of an unserious move there. Still might make yeah. it. We'll see. Um, so I have not been high on the Seahawks. I did, I did watch, uh, the same friend who's a Michigan state fan, also a Lions fan. So I watched the Seahawks, um, Lions game with him back in week two. That was in Detroit. That was a pretty impressive performance by the Seahawks. So I've seen them look at their sharpest and, you know, they can be a tough team to stop. Of course, that was a long time ago and they're banged up as you mentioned. Um, Mm -hmm. but I also am things I'm worried about from going on that side of it. I worry about Eagles still being tired. Like maybe the extra day doesn't make a big enough of a difference. Um, I worry that I think they've kind of taken this losing to heart and know like they're, you know, they, they need to, you know, get on it and can't start slow and kind of like need some urgency here. But until maybe I see it, I don't might not fully believe it. And I also worry about how, um, it's just a tough place to play for them historically. Jimmy, yeah. do you remember, do you know the, the, the quarter, starting quarterback for the Seahawks the last time they won a game in Seattle? Tavares Jackson? Nope, even before that. Mm. It was 2008. He, this guy used to play for the Packers as well. 
Oh, Hasselbeck? Nope. Oh. Hmm. Right, right. Like you're you're thinking correctly because it, it was someone, you know, a Holmgren connection. But well, I don't I know, know if it's a Holmgren that, 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 that have it, and they're like, "You're an idiot, Jimmy, for not thinking of this." Go ahead, just tell me. Seneca Wallace, Jimmy. Ah, oh, Seneca Wallace. So yeah. it's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while since they've. Did Seneca Wallace? No, I'm sorry. It was Tavares Jackson. I think we actually touched on this one other time in the podcast. Like he passed away. You mentioned the, speaking of Tavares Jackson. I think Seneca Wallace is still okay. Let me Google that. Real Hopefully. Quick. <laughs> anyway, continue. So it's been a while. Yes, still alive. Okay, it just good it's him. kind of felt like a house of horrors. Now, obviously, Russell Wilson had a lot to do with that. To be clear, uh, Eagles could just not defend him. He looks like the most indefensible player when the Eagles would play him. So mm-hmm. you know that's changed. But still, it's just you know it's not been. I still think it's relevant that it's not this environment that the team just goes to and has no problems with. It's, it's been a tough place to play. So I worry about that stuff. But what I do feel good about is I feel like people have overreacted a bit in the bigger picture uh, to the Eagles' struggles. So uh, I am keeping the optimism in that regard. I think that the offense, their struggles against the Cowboys, it wasn't about like the offense is broken as much as it's just a lot of bad like timing, like – Devontae, I'm not worried about AJ Brown and Devontae Smith fumbling again in this game. Like that's not a concern for me. That's not a fundamental flaw as much as they just had a really bad game and and time together. It's not even like one of them had a bad game. Both of them ha- probably had some of their worst games of the season together. And I'm not really worried about that happening again. I think the, the offense will figure some things out in terms of actually scoring touchdowns and that'll manifest. Um, obviously the defense, yeah, there's reason to worry there, but I think Gino might make some mistakes. I think the Eagles have an advantage in the trenches that will actually show up here and they can get to him a little bit, maybe force some turnovers. So I think uh, even if the defense doesn't play lockdown defense, I think they can make a play or two also kind of just do the Eagles only have, I think like six interceptions this year. There's not many. Yes. Only one team has fewer. Yeah. They're tied with a couple teams. One team is fewer. So I think they're kind of just due, too. They're probably due to get a pick or two here at some point. So, uh, yeah, I'll take the Eagles to win. I don't feel, like, fully confident in it. Uh, I do think there's a situation here where the, you know, it's like the bottom drops out. You are you just lose three straight going into uh, a Christmas Day matchup against a Giants team that could potentially be on a four-game winning streak, depending what happens in New Orleans. So right. I, I can envision that scenario, but I'm going to side with the Eagles here. I think they are not quite as bad as the team that they've been the past two weeks, and I think they'll show that here. And I, I can't take them at, at four and a half. I was thinking, you know, I was tempted to take the Seahawks to cover because the Eagles have just played. You know, they played it close. So they haven't you know, beaten teams by a good amount. So it's kind of hard to discount on them. But at minus three, it's kind of a little too cute to say the Seahawks are going to cover that. So I'll that, s- line's, that line's ridiculous to me. Like the Seahawks team isn't that good. Mm-hmm. And at minus three, I don't know if, I mean, that rule of thumb was always like, there's a three game swing depending on where it is. Mm-hmm. So the home team gets three right off the bat. These are not equal teams. Like they're not like the Eagles have played badly the last two mm-hmm. weeks. The Seahawks have played badly the last four weeks, and talent wise, the Eagles are just better. It's just weird. That line's going to jump back up. I'm, I'll, I'll guarantee I, that line jumps back up somewhere to around four. Yeah, I agree. I think you're. I think you're right. It'll be like three and a half or four. Um. So at that at the at that stage, I would consider 
because I think it could be a three-point game. I, I I would consider taking the Seahawks. Oh, I guess the I'm sorry, the Eagles are favored though. Yeah, I'm, I'm an idiot. <laughs> Never mind. Scratch. D- delete the last uh, two minutes. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, I'll take the Eagles to win. I'm going to say they win um, 33. No, I already predicted that score last week. I'm going to say 35 to 30. 31 26 okay. Eagles. So we both have five point wins. What was yours again? 35 to 30. Okay. All right. Okay. Eagles win and. Everything is right in the world again. Everyone is very happy going into the Christmas matchup against the Giants. Okay, Jimmy, any final thoughts? Um, no, I was going to talk a little bit about, about Seattle itself, but we already kind of covered mm-hmm. that. But uh, yeah, fun city. Looking forward to the to the coffee, to Pike Place Market, do the some of the touristy things. Any restaurants uh, you're going maybe, to? Maybe check out the Space Needle. I've never done oh, that. Oh, I've done that. It's cool. Um. Yeah, I think some of the beat writers and I. I was going to say the name of the restaurant, but I probably shouldn't <laughs> get, get people coming out to yeah. see you. Maybe I'm not going to do that. Well, I don't know if you know the other. I'd I'd be fine with it. I don't know if the mm. other writers want all that, but uh, uh, yeah. Well, we have reservations. We're going to hang out, have some drinks. Yeah, should be good times. Looking forward. Looking forward to that trip as always. You or anyone listening to this, I would recommend Biscuit Bitch. Place called Biscuit Bitch. Mm. That's the name. It's pretty good. Yeah, good biscuits and gravy. I'm writing it down right now. With like a breakfast type place? Breakfast brunch spot. Yeah. Yeah. Like like brunchy. You can go either way. You have breakfast, lunch. I really liked it there. It really I like a good biscuits and gravy. And I was really I was really impressed with that. Okay. There. So I would definitely recommend that. Um yeah, Dick's drive in. That's kind of like their um I guess a localized chain mm-hmm. for like burgers and whatnot. Pretty good. Um, this is sandwich place downtown. I wish I had the name of it off the top of my head. That had a really good pastrami sandwich. At. It was like awesome. Um, <clears throat> yeah, a lot of bunch of bunch of good spots in in Seattle. Uh, oh, Beth's Cafe. Really like Beth's Cafe. I think I saw that on Man versus Food or Triple D at one point. They had this like huge omelet with chili inside and it was fantastic so like probably it's one of the best omelets i've ever okay. had it's huge so yeah a lot of good spots for food in seattle if you're going uh and if you do go one of those places that i recommend you jimmy or the listener uh let that me know, sucks, know how it went. It's six hours out probably a little less than that they and uh, they plan for six it's usually not that long and then five back but uh well worth it i think fun city also, shout out to my friend Bon, who lived in Philly but moved to Seattle and probably doesn't listen to this podcast, but shout out to Bon anyway. Okay. Um, all right. Jimmy, uh, my final thought is that let's get out of here and uh, we will talk to you after the Eagles beat the Seahawks. And you should uh, check out all of our sponsors, obviously, and that information is in the episode description in addition to our social media handles and whatnot, and all the other shows here on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed, including the aforementioned on the Shane page. I thought that was kind of like a can't-miss episode uh, this week with all their good analysis of kind of what's wrong with the team and how they might be able to get better. A good mix of optimism um, for the future, but also a dose of reality and not just saying everything is Mm -hmm. fine. So nuanced, level-headed, fair conversation. So that's nice to hear, as opposed to just the sky is falling. Okay, Jimmy. Good. I'll see you. Bye, everybody. Later. 
P-G-N. Claude 3 from Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point of the price-performance curve, you no longer have to make trade-offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skill and speed. And Haiku is the fastest and lowest-cost model on the market, perfectly designed for high-volume, high-speed use cases. Join the thousands of enterprises who use Anthropic to navigate this new frontier. Visit anthropic.com slash Claude, C-L-A-U-D-E, today. Jumpstart your genius with Claude 3 by Anthropic. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment, combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features.